The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Good morning, church. How is everyone doing this morning? Awesome in this place. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to be beginning a brand new series. And this series, we're calling it Running or Run Your Own Race. Amen. So I'm really excited because during um, this series, what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at your, your race. And we're going to be looking at the difference between purpose, calling, separation. You know, we're going to be looking at how you can find your place called there. And once you've found your place called there, how you can grow into the things that God has for you in your there. Okay. And so I'm really so excited because, man, if you do not know what your purpose is, you're going to know before the series ends. Okay. And, man, if you know what your series is, man, our prayer for you is you'll begin to walk in a greater boldness, a greater confidence in the things that God has specifically called for you to do. But really for me, the heart of the series is, is so that you can just begin to, to run your own race, right? And as you run your own race, man, you'll begin to inspire and to encourage the people around you so that they too can run their own race. Amen. And so we're going to start off in Hebrews 12 verse 1, which really is going to be our foundational scripture. So that's Hebrews 12 verse 1. And the scripture says this, it says, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And it says this, it says, and let us run the race or with patience the race that is set before us. And so from this amazing passage of scripture, what we begin to learn is that there is a divinely ordained race that has been set before each and every single one of us. You know, whether this race is in the marketplace, whether this race in, in this church, we learn about the seven mountains, the seven mountains of influence, whether this race is on the mountain of business, the mountain of government, the mountain of arts and entertainment, of media, the family mountain, or really ministry itself. Every single one of us have a race that we need to run. Man, every single one of us, you're not excluded, okay? So don't discount yourself. Don't let your age discount you, okay? Every single one of us have a call of God on our lives. And the thing about this calling is it's not, it's not random. It's not random. The call of God on your life, which everyone has, you are called of God. The call of God on your life, man, is unique and it's specific, okay? You are not an accident, you know, to your parents, man, bless your parents. You may have been an accident to them, okay? But to God, you're not an accident. Yeah, and I have to say that. I don't know if I should expose my brother. Maybe I should move on swiftly. But anyway. <laughs> to your parents, you may have been an accident, man. But to God, to God, your father, your true father, you are not an accident. Amen? You are not an accident. Man, you are here living in this generation, living in this time, because you are called for such a time as this. Man, you're here living right now in this country, okay? Because you're called for such a place as this. You have a divine assignment straight from heaven that absolutely no one, no one, no one else on this earth, man, can fulfill. So I say this to say, and I don't know, I felt in the first of it more, more so. But, but I say this to say, you are not a mistake. Amen. None of you are an accident. Amen. You matter. Yes. You absolutely matter. Your life matters. Your life matters not only to God who created you, but your life matters, man, and it matters to the people that God specifically designed for you to reach and to influence. Yes. Amen. And so we see um, such an awesome um, scripture, and, and it's Romans 8 verse 19. And then the King James, Romans 8 verse 19 says this, it says, For the earnest expectation, and another translation says, For the intense expectation 
of creation, of the creation, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, ladies, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you are a son. Because sonship here is not a gender. You know, sonship here is talking about a position. Right now, all of us, male or female, if you're in Christ, remember the scripture says in, in Christ, there's neither male or female. So if you're in Christ, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior right now, you are in Christ. You are seated in heavenly places. It's, the Bible says far above all principalities, far above all powers, right? And so in the scripture, we find, man, creation, it's real intense expectation is waiting for your revealing. Amen. But I like the J.B. Phillips translation. Man, it says this, and I don't know if we have it. We should get J.B. Phillips, okay? Okay, J.B. Phillips, Romans 8 verse 19 says this. It says, man, it says, get ready for this one. It says the whole creation, the whole creation is on tiptoe, waiting to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. Man, that's awesome. It's saying creation, the whole creation Man, it's literally standing on the tip of its toes. What's it waiting for? Man, it's waiting for you to show up. It's waiting for you to run your own race. Man, the Bible says the intense expectation of the creation. The intense expectation of the world. The intense expectation of your world. Of the people that God has placed you to influence. Your sphere of influence, right? The intense expectation of your sphere of influence. It literally says they're on tiptoe. Waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting to receive the gifts and the talents that God has placed on your life. Man, do you know what, church? You know, there are people that are counting on you. There are people that are praying for you. And you know what they're praying for? They're praying for you to begin to walk in your gifts. They're praying for you to begin to run your own race, to walk in your assignment. Why? So that you can meet the needs that they've been praying for. So that you can meet the needs that they have been, leaving, been believing God for, that they have been expecting God for. Man, creation. Creation is on tiptoe. Man, it's on tiptoe. It's on tiptoe. And it's waiting for us to take our place. You know, um, Sipo read Genesis 1 verse 28. And in the message translation, we've been given a kingdom mandate. And the kingdom mandate that we've been given, man, is to take charge. Creation is waiting for you to take charge. To take charge of your mountain. To take charge of your place. Man, to dominate. Creation is waiting for you to infiltrate in the place that God has specifically called you to. Amen. And so not only do we see that we have a race that we need to run. Man, not only do we see that, man, God has a calling. And I have to say this because I didn't know this. I didn't know this when we were growing up. That you have a call of God on your life. Every single one of us, you have a call of God on your life. Not only do you have a call of God on your life, but man, God is so good. God is so good. God has given us every single thing we will ever need to fulfill that call. In other words, God has given us the grace to run our own race, our own race. And so when it comes to um, assignment grace, when it comes to the grace that's needed to fulfill your call, you know, we define assignment grace as this. Assignment grace, man, it's literally the divine enablement to fulfill what we could never do in our own strength. And we're given this enablement so that we can do the things that God has specifically called us to do. I'm going to say that again, okay? The, uh, assignment grace. The grace that you've been given, that we've all been given, for our unique and specific assignment is really the divine enablement to fulfill what we could never, 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 never do in our own strength. And we're given this grace. We've been given this enablement so that we can do the things that God has specifically called us to do. And so God, speaking about this grace, speaking about his grace, he says this in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. He says, he says to Apostle Paul, and he says, and it says, it says getting tongue-tied here. It says, and he said, in other words, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. I love the CEV translation. It says this about God's grace. It says God's grace for your assignment is all that you need. It's all that you need. And then amplified class or the original amplified says this about God's grace for your assignment. It says that God's grace is more than enough and it's always available. So God's grace for your assignment, God's grace for my assignment, it's not only always enough, but it's always available to help you do those things that you have been called to do. Okay? But, <laughs> and here comes the but. But, we can limit God's grace really from flowing in our lives, from freely moving in our lives to do the things that he specifically called us to do. And really one of the ways in which we can limit God is when we are living a life of constantly comparing ourselves to one another. Okay? When we base our worth, when we base our value on what other people are called to do, what other people have, Man, this really is going to limit God's grace from freely functioning in our lives. And so what we see in church, man, it's really sad, but this is really what we're seeing. We're seeing many people, they're not running their own race, okay? I actually put it this way. You see many people in the church world who are stuck on the starting block of their life's race. Now, do they have the grace to run that race? Yes, they do. According to 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, we know God's grace, man, it's available for them to run their own race. But there they are. They're stuck on the starting block of their life's race. Why? Because they're so busy focusing on how everyone else is running their race. You know, they're so busy focusing on how far everyone else is, what everyone else has, what everyone else is doing. And because of comparison, Man, they've been, they become paralyzed. And in, essentially, they become ineffective. Despite having the grace to run their own race, they become ineffective in the things that God has called them to do. On the flip side, man, you get some. They're not running their own race. Why? Because they're so busy running someone else's race. They're so busy. Man, they're working. They're toiling. Boy, they are running. But they're so busy running someone else's race. Man, I mean, they, they, you know, some of them are thinking, man, Lord, the Lord must have made a mistake when he called me to be an actor. I think I'm called into ministry. So I'm going to run that ministry race. And so there they are running, man. They're, they're running. They're running hard. They're running. They're like treadmill running. You know treadmill money? You're running so hard, but you're like in the same spot, stuck. Okay? They're busy running a race that they're not graced to run. They're busy running a race. They don't even have the tools to run. And church, I want to tell you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a wreck. A train wreck. Amen? Amen? Amen. So today, really, as we lay a foundation on this series um, that we're going to really be uh, spending some time in, I, I really want to talk to you today. In fact, the title probably of the message today is Breaking Free from the Trap of Comparison and Running Your Own Race. Because really, and I'm going to share my heart here, if there's an area that the Lord has done a real work in my own heart, over many years okay it's on this very subject really of comparison and the lord you know over the years man he, he he started showing me that man comparison is really one of the the greatest limits to what god wants to do in people's lives and man, i remember thinking what and and I, it was actually a sermon i think pastor tafaris taught about limiting god right and and um he shared with us a, a scripture i think it was in psalm 78 verse 41 and he said you know talking about the children of israel said you know the children of israel tempted god and they limited the holy one of israel and i was like what my head tilted i was like what can we limit a limitless god how on earth can we limit a God who's so great, a God who's so unlimited, a God who's just omnipotent? How? But we can. We can limit God. And really, church, I want to submit to you the, the greatest way in which most people, most of the body of Christ are limiting what God is wanting to do through them and in them is when we live a life really of comparison. So just to share a little bit about my story, you know, I, um, man, I never, my wildest dreams <laughs> managed, I never thought like growing up I'd really ever be in ministry. And um, man, the Lord has, the Lord has a good sense of humor. He caused me to fall in love with a pastor, right? Yeah, you know? 
um you know and i was like in church but you know i wasn't really in church right so this was all brand new to me okay and uh, bless their hearts you know we were associate pastors for another church and bless their hearts the sweet little ladies in the church man they thought they'd school me a little bit and how to be a pastor's wife you know and so there they are they're telling me oh you must you know you must you know wear them long dresses and you know you must just be sweet <laughs> no loud laughing no loudness. And that was so hard for me because I'm loud, right? And I laugh. I, I, I laugh loud. In fact, my brother was with my brother this in Harare on Wednesday, and he was like, um, you know, we were waiting for my dad in um, in some place, and I was like, how's dad gonna know that we're in here? And he's like, no, he's just gonna hear your laugh because you're just so loud, you know. And bless their hearts, man. They're beginning to tell me all of this stuff, and you know, the more I started listening to them and their expectations, the more you know, I really started feeling like, man, I'm I'm inadequate. For, I'm not cut out for this, you know. I'm I'm inadequate. I'm inferior. I, you know, and so really, as the Lord really began to minister to my heart, um, I really started to sense in 20, probably 14, 2015, the Lord really started to put a desire in my heart to to start stepping out more, right? And to start, you know, teaching more. And man, while, while I had this desire in my heart, I also had on the flip side an overwhelming feeling, an overwhelming sense of inadequacy. Can I be real with you? I felt so inadequate. I felt so insufficient. And you know the reason why I felt so inadequate? is because, man, I started looking around. I started comparing myself to other people. Man, I remember... Some of the things, I mean, I'd be, you know, I talk to the Holy Spirit. He's my friend, right? So I talk to him like he's my, like, BFF, literally. So I was telling the Holy Spirit, man, come on, Holy Spirit. I just, I don't have a story that's as interesting as sister so-and-so. I mean, I never, like, I grew up in a middle-class family. I, I never lacked anything. My, my parents loved each other. I didn't grow up in a broken family. What, what could I possibly share? What could I possibly add that sister so-and-so? is not already saying with the most amazing story, you know? And, and some of the things I, I was also saying was, man, I'm not as funny as brother TT. <laughs> He's so funny, I'm not funny, okay? Like people are gonna sleep when I teach. Like, Lord, please, you know? Um, and these, this is so paralyzing, you know, and, and that's the way this whole comparison thing works, right? Here I was with a strong desire, and that desire is telling me, go. But at the same time, I've got this strong feeling of just being inadequate, inferior. And that, and that feeling is telling me no. Can you see it's neutralizing each other? Because go and no, they're saying nothing. They're saying stuck. Paralyzed. Nothing. Stop. And so, you know, for, for, for some years... <laughs> Um, you know, this was my situation. And man, I remember just praying to the Lord, right, really seeking the Lord for, really for his help to just go. And the Lord began to show me some tools. And man, these are tools that, man, I'm going to be sharing with you these tools. These are years, years of things that the Lord showed me and things that I've really implemented in my life. And man, I continue to implement in my life. So we're going to be showing you these tools on how to break free from the trap of comparison. And, and I stand here in absolute humility. And I say this to you. I have not arrived. I actually don't think we ever arrive, right? I think we, 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 you know, when it comes to comparison, I think you really just hear from the Lord about what he's called you to do. You renew your mind to who God has called you, you and you just make an uh, intentional effort to just stop looking to the left and looking to the, to look to, looking to the right. So I haven't arrived, but I've most certainly left. And thank God I have, okay? Because, man, we are starting to see God's grace really flowing freely, you know, really flowing freely to do those things that he's called me to do. Man, in ministry, um, in, in, in my career, you know, in the marketplace, man, what I shared the testimony with the first service, the, uh, something happened to me last week, I believe it was, that really blessed my heart. A woman, a director, actually, in the company that I work for, she calls me on MS Teams. Now I'm thinking, who's this, you know? She calls me on MS Teams. She says, you know, I've never spoken to you except to say hi and bye. But I just want to tell you that I have a testimony. I have a testimony of the goodness of God and what he did in my life. And that testimony came about all because of your Tuesday messages. And I was bawling because I'm a crier. I was bawling and I was saying, Lord, I am so sorry. Man, I don't know if that testimony 
if I'd been, if that, if, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if that testimony would have happened if I was stuck on the starting block of my life's race. Okay, so I haven't arrived, but I've left. Okay, and many of you say, how do you wear so many hats? I mean, I wear lots of hats. Many of you wear so many hats. I wear these hats. I do these things, man, because I have refused. I have made a decision that I'm going to refuse to let the trap of comparison stop me from doing every single thing that God has destined for me to do in this season of my life. Amen. So let's go quickly to 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to read verses 12 to 20 in the NLT. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 20 in the NLT. And the scripture says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And so now this baptism that the scripture is talking about here is really the baptism that comes with salvation. Okay? When we are born again, the scripture here is telling us that we are baptized into one body. We're baptized into the body of Christ really by one spirit. And the scripture says, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. So Apostle Paul is painting a really, really cool analogy here. And what he's comparing and contrasting is he's comparing and contrasting the human body versus the body of Christ, right? And you all know the body of Christ is us, the church, okay? And so he starts off by looking at the human body. And he says, look at the human body. The body is made up of different members, different parts. And I believe the point he's really trying to get across, you know, to the readers, and the point that he's really trying to drive home is that all of these parts, every part that makes up a human body, man, they, all these parts are needed, okay? All the, all the parts are needed, and they need to play their part so that the human body can be well, can be healthy, man, can just be effective. Yeah. And so he says, in the same way, let's look at the body of Christ. Let's look at the church. In the same way, the body of Christ also is made up of different parts, different members. It's also made up of you know, people with different gifts, people with different functions, people with different callings, people with different assignments, right? It's made up of all of these different parts. But the same truth remains that each part, each gift, each function in the body of Christ, man, it's needed. Man, you are needed, okay? And you're needed to play your part so that the body of Christ can be well, so that the body of Christ, man, can be healthy, and so that the body of Christ can be effective in its mandate of advancing the kingdom of God on this earth. And so in verse 15, and here I'm going to ask you, I'm going to have to ask you to really engage your imagination. Because what you're getting to ready to read here is you're getting ready to read about part, body parts talking. Now, body parts don't talk every day unless you're watching Coco Melon or some kiddies cartoon, right? And so, man, we're adults, so we're just going to have to just imagine this, okay? So, like, enter the first body part that starts to talk, and it happens to be a foot. And so, verse 15, it says, If the foot says, I am not a part of the body, because I am not a foot, I'm not a hand. In other words, enter the foot, and this is what the foot says. It says, because I am not a hand, I refuse to be a part of the body. I'm checking out, y'all. Paul says, does that make it any less part of the body? Of course not. Still a part of the body, right? Verse 16, it says, and if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye. Would that make it any less a part of the body? Of course not. It's still a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? If the whole body were an ear, well, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Okay, that's, that's something you underline, highlight. He's put every part just where he wants it. And it says how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And this is a powerful scripture, church. It's a powerful, powerful scripture. Because what we begin to see here is we begin to see a picture, really, of the age-old problem of comparison. 
Man, people wanting to function in a different place that God has not called them to. You know, people wanting to be someone else that God has not created them to be. Verse 15, let's go back. Let's analyze the scripture a little bit. Verse 15, it seems so funny, but really all it is, it's it's an analogy of what's happening right now in the body of Christ. The scripture says the foot, the foot wants to be a hand. Right? Verse 16, it says the ear. The ear doesn't want to be an ear no more. The ear wants to be an eye. And so I was reading the scripture yesterday and I was just saying, why does the foot want to be a hand? Like, Lord, what is this? What's the difference between a foot and a hand besides function? You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said visibility. Think about him. Why would an ear want to be an eye? Okay? It's because, and, and here, sorry, I'm going to caveat. We're talking about people like normal size ear, okay? So, so like, okay, like keep that in mind, okay? Why would an ear want to be an eye? Because the eye is more noticeable in the body, okay? You get that now, right? I can see people laughing right now. Most times when people, when you see someone, the first thing you notice is what their eyes Unless you're like Dumbo. I said, unless you're like Dumbo with a giant ear. Maybe in that case, Dumbo's ears might still want to be an ear. But the the reality is, this is the crux of comparison. It's all really about, about visibility, right? But what the foot and what the ear don't realize is that although they're not as visible, come on, although you are not as visible, you know, there's some of you are not going to stand here. You're not going to be, you're not going to be a vis- in, as visible. But that does not make you insignificant. That does not make you sig- insignificant. We are all important. Every single body part is important. I mean, try walking, try moving your body without feet. And you'll quickly realize that, man, a foot is needed. And try, um, we've just um, launched our Faithful Worship Collective album. Praise the Lord. The first of so, so many. Amen. Try listening to that album with no ears. You'll very quickly realize that our ear is very important. Okay. So, man, we, we, we are all needed. Each member of the body, of the body of Christ, man, man, it's needed. And, and, and when we're comparing ourselves, man, to other people, when we are wanting to be someone that really, really we are not, not only is it futile, but really it's going to cause the whole body to not work the way that it was designed to work. And so in verse 17, we see something really interesting. Paul begins to ask a really pertinent question. And he says this. He says, if the whole body were an eye. Oh, now we're really going to have to engage the depths of our imagination here. And so I said to the first service, you know, just close your eyes. And, and maybe like look at the neighbor on your left. Left, left. Okay. And just imagine that they were one big giant eye. <laughs> Paul us. well, if there were one big giant eye, how would you hear? Right? How would you hear? Then he also says, well, imagine if your whole body were an ear. So since you've imagined your other neighbor to be an eye, you're going to have to kind of turn to your other neighbor. And he closed your eyes and you imagine that they're one big giant ear. Flap, flap. Okay, a bit creepy, but try, try. You know, try. I told you, engage the depths of your imagination for this one, right? But imagine if there were one big giant ear. <laughs> Well, he asked, how, how would we smell anything? How would we smell, you know, anything? It's funny, right? I think, I love this. He's using body parts to bring out the humor, but really he's trying to drive the point that these are the things that are happening in the body of Christ. These are exact things that are happening in the body of Christ. And so bringing it back to the body of Christ, my question now would be, imagine, church, if we were all called to be um, the apostle, Prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Imagine we were, all of us, all of us here, were called to be in the fivefold ministry. Well, my question would be, who would do the work of the ministry in the marketplace? Yeah. Right? Who would do the work of the ministry in government? Yeah. Because God knows we need godly people in government. Yeah. You know, we need people telling people that a boy is a boy 
and a girl is a girl. You know, we need the truth in government. Well, who would do the work of the ministry in the mountain of arts and entertainment? You get the drift? Who would do the work of the ministry in education? No one, right? There'd be no one. And so what would happen to the body of Christ? The body of Christ would become ineffective in engaging culture and in influencing in all spheres of life as we've been called to do as a body. Amen? You know, Pastor T and I have learned something, and, and this is a truth, man, that we like so passionate about letting people know. The surest way for you to fail, the surest way to fail is to try and change an unchangeable. If, you, if God didn't make you an eye, you can't make yourself an eye. Sure. You're not an eye. Just be who God wants you to be. And I, I'm going to say this, and I'm saying this with all love for you. If God did not make you a pastor, okay, if God didn't call you into ministry, you, you're not graced to be a pastor, okay? You're not a pastor, okay? Just be who God called you to be. In fact, you know, we were, I was saying this, it's actually a joke. I know it's actually not really funny, but anyway, I'm going to tell it anyway, okay? But there's a joke. <laughs> that does the rounds in our ministry friends <laughs> circles, right? And it says this, it says, if you call yourself into ministry, right? Very soon you will be calling on God for help. Okay? And just be who God wants you to be. You know, if you want to fail, try to be someone who you're not. That God didn't create you to be. You know, the only way that the body of Christ can be effective, the only way that the church, man, can be effective in this world is when you are being you. Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, we all need it again. No part of the body is less important. There is no role. There is no gift. There is no function. There is no assignment. There's nothing that is insignificant. There is a space and there is a place for each and every single one of us in the body of Christ. And during this series, man, that's why I'm so passionate about this series. I am, look, you guys need to come back, okay? If you, you come back, okay? Because in this series, we're going to be looking at what is your space? Yeah, what is your mountain? What is your place? Where do you need to be so that you can run your own race? Okay, so please do come back and tell a friend or two, you know. Man, this issue of comparison is so real. Every single day, every single day, we are bombarded with opportunities to compare ourselves, right? I think every one of you are probably on the gram, the Instagram, right? Facebook, whatever, right? If, you know, if we're not comparing our jobs, you know, we're comparing our lives, we're comparing our marriages, eh? yeah, we're comparing our bodies. And I always used to think it was a woman's issue, right? Until one day at the gym, I caught a guy. I caught a brother checking out another brother and looking at his body. So anyway, all of us, male and female, we, we compare each other's bodies. It's kind of weird, right? <laughs> We compare each other's bodies. We're not comparing each other's bodies, man. We're comparing our kids. Man, we're saying, man, why can't our kids be like, you know, uh, Sister Betty's kids, so sweet and so nice and clean and so tidy, you know? Why, you know? And hey, I'm saying this because this was me, but I, I have gotten over that, okay? I remember, like, Munesu, she's our older kid. And man, I remember being so frustrated because she's so bossy. <laughs> Okay, so she, you know, the typical scenario is you have all these kids come over and she's like telling them what to do. You're going to be the teacher. You're going to be the smart kid. You're going to be the dumb kid. You're going to be the silly kid. You're going to be the good kid. Okay, oh, you got it. Let's do this, right? And so I was comparing to one of my mentors and I was saying, man, Manessa, she's so bossy. I just wish she was so sweet like all the other kids, you know, and just like, yes, 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 we'll do it. And you know what my, my mentor said? She said something that completely set me free. She says, no, Manessa is not bossy. Manesu is not strong-willed. Manesu has leadership skills. Okay? And so I'm talking to someone who has a bossy, <laughs> strong-willed child. Your child is not bossy. They have leadership skills. And that's because God has designed for her to be a leader, to lead. And so if we're not comparing our children to one another, children, other children, we're comparing our, children, our own children to each other. Huh? Yeah, yeah, okay. I was there, very much there. But again, I quickly got over it. Baby number two, her name is Tinaya. Man, I was so not ready for Tinaya. You know, I kind of was getting over my Miss Bossy leadership uh, number one. 
And along came Tinaya. She is misindependent. Man, she is miss. I do not conform. And so while Miss Bossy Leader, shame, I should actually just call her Miss Leadership, you know. Miss Leadership, while Miss Leadership is, um, you know, she's kind of, lead, she's a leader. Man, you can kind of tell her, uh, Manesu, like there's a kid there who has no one to play with. Why don't you play with them? She'll be like, yes, mommy, I'm going to play with them. You know, Tina is different because she's like, she's principled, right? Someone doesn't want to play with her. There's no bribe on this earth that you can pay her to play with them, right? And so I remember, where is she? Terry, there we go. Terry came to me and she had a story to share to me, with me about, 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 um, about, about Mati, her daughter. Terry's our awesome worship leader's wife and she's just an awesome leader in the house. Um, and their daughter came crying to Tinai. There in itself was a bit bizarre because why would you go crying to Tinai? But anyway, she comes crying to Tinai and she's like, they don't want to play with me. And, and, and Terry's eavesdropping oh, this conversation. Like, I want to know how this is going to go down. And then there, she's like, I don't want to play with it. And Tina kind of looks at her and she's like, okay, what is the problem exactly? And she's like, they don't want to play with me. Are you listening? They don't want to play with me. And Tina goes, go, well, why don't you play by yourself? That's what I do. And incidentally, she was by herself, by the way. You'll find her in the kids' crew. You'll find her playing by herself, right? She's a non-conform. She says, why don't you play by yourself? That's what I do. You be you, boo, you know. Man, you can't compare your kids to one another. You know why? Because they're incomparable. They literally cannot be compared. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, we must train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. We know that, that, that translation, right? The Amplified Translation puts it this way. It says, we must train up our children in keeping with their individual gifts and their individual bent. Our kids cannot be compared because they are individuals. Man, our job really is not to compare our children. Our job is to help our children faithfully steward the gifts, the talents, the callings that God has placed on their lives. And so some of you are saying, man, I'm not even on Instagram, so I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm, interesting. Well, you may not be on the gram. It's okay. But here's what happens. <laughs> All you need to do is wake up and step out of the house every day. And you start looking at what the jo uh uh we don't call them jo Joneses here. We call them the dubes. All you need to do is get out of your house. You start looking at what the dubes have. Mm, start looking at what the dubes are doing that you are not doing. Uh, and you start to kind of feel a kind of way, right? That's called comparison. And then some of us, you know, when we start looking at the dubes, we start spending money that we don't even have just to keep up with the dubes. Can I? I know someone knows what I'm talking about. I've been there, done that. Okay, and this is what we wanted to, today we want to show you things. We want to show you ways in which, how you can live beyond that. Because man, there's an assignment on your life. There's an assignment, there's a call of God on your life that can be limited if we don't learn how to deal with this issue of comparison. Man, it's a trap. Comparison is a trap. And you know why we say it's a trap? Because the more you compare yourself to others, get this, the more you need to compare yourself to others so that you can get some sort of validation, acceptance, approval, all of that, all of that jazz. Man, it's a trap. There's absolutely no win, no, no win in, in, in comparison. Let's go to John 21. We're going to read verses 18 to 21 in the New King James. Just to set the context of what was happening um, here before these passages of Scripture, Jesus, um, he just uh, uh, risen from the dead and he was on his way back to heaven. And so he starts having a conversation with Peter, one of his disciples. And he starts revealing to Peter, he starts revealing to Peter, Peter's um, assignment, right? He says to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, feed my sheep, okay? He starts really revealing purpose to Peter. But interestingly enough, Jesus also starts to reveal how he's going to die, I, I'm, still, I'm still asking Jesus about that. I still don't get it. But anyway, he starts revealing to Peter how he's going to die. And so, you know, with that in mind, we come to the passage of Scripture. And I also want to tell you that there was also another disciple that was there. John was also there as well. Okay, so you can see where this is going. And so in verse 18, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. 
And then verse 19, it says, this he spoke signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And it says, and when Jesus had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Again, it's again, he's starting to say to Peter here, you know, when you are much older, in your old age, okay? So actually he was giving him a clue that, man, you're going to live long. You're actually going to live strong. Because then he says, in your old age, someone's going to crucify you, okay? And so in verse 20, we see something so interesting. Because it says, then Peter, turning around, it says, he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Okay, so Peter turns around and, and the person he sees is he sees John. Okay, because John is the one who was leaning on the bosom of Jesus and saying, Lord, who's the one who betrays you, right? So it says, he turns around, he sees John. Then let's go to verse 21 and see what happens next. It says, Peter seeing him, in other words, seeing John. It says, he turns back to the Lord and he says to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What about this man? <laughs> I don't know if you see this. I don't know if you see what I'm saying, right? Jesus had just said to, uh, uh, to revealed purpose to Peter, right? But also on top of that, he just added like, you're going to get crucified, right? So you're kind of going to die a really hectic death, right? And so Peter, man, he's like, nah. He turns around and he sees John. He says, what about this man? You know what I believe? I believe Peter was trying to get some sort of cons consolation that maybe if he was going to die a gruesome death, well, maybe, maybe John was going to die an even worse. Okay? So he turns around and he says, what about this man? And I love how Jesus responds. Because really, this is how we should be responding every single time we're tempted to compare ourselves to someone else. Jesus, I mean, he says this. He says, if I will that he remains, Till I come. Okay, in other words, if my desire is for John to not die even and to remain until I come back in, my second, in the second coming, then he says this, what is that to you? What is that to you? Huh? What? And he says, you, you follow me. And so really what Jesus is saying is he's saying to Peter, what, is, what, what does the calling, the assignment that I have specifically uh, designated, destined for John, what has that got anything to do with you? Huh? Like what, 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 what has that got to do with you? What is it your business how someone else is running their race? What is, is, is it even your business where someone else is going? What someone else has? And Jesus says this, he says, no, stop that. You follow me. You follow my assignment for your life. Man, you follow my calling for your life. You follow what I have spoken for you to do in this life. And so my question today is, man, are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to follow Jesus? Then we need to get out of the comparison trap. Because here's the thing, you know, you, we, we, we can never follow Jesus completely as long as we are looking around and seeing what other people have, seeing what other people are doing. We can't. You know, you, we can never be who God created us to be. We can't. We cannot truly be who God created each and every single one of us to be if we're constantly saying, oh, what about them? What about, you know, they, what, what they've been called to do? You know, what about, what about, why do they have so much more? Why are they blessed? Like, why do they have a house and I don't? Like, what are they doing? We, we, we can't, we can never be, we can never do what God, what Jesus is calling us to do. And if we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another. And man, I'm guilty of this because sometimes, man, I'm looking, I'm looking at what other people are doing. What are they doing for their conference? I think I want to do that, you know. And then the Lord will remind me with this scripture. And all he has to say to me is, what is that to you? What has that got to do with you? Man, you follow me. You follow what I've spoken over your life. You follow the words that I've spoken to you. You follow me. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says this in the King James. It says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. 
but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. The Bible says they are not wise. Okay? They are not, comparison is not wise. And I love that word sophos, because, wise, because it's really um, the Greek word sophos. And the Greek word sophos means this. It means specifically enlightened. It also means, well, aside from meaning wise, it also means sharp, and it also means bright. And so this verse could also be interpreted to say this, comparing ourselves to one another is not the wisest thing you can do. It's not the sharpest thing you can do. And it's most certainly not the brightest thing that you could ever do. Why? Yeah, it's dumb. D-U-M-B. I didn't want to put it there, but you said it, so I'm just copying you, okay? It's not smart. <laughs> and the reason why is because really when we compare ourselves to each other, only really one of two outcomes is guaranteed, okay? And neither of these outcomes glorify or honor God in any way. The first outcome is that you begin to feel better when other people are doing worse than you. And this is called having an attitude of superiority. Ah, I said that well, okay? Uh, being superior over others, right? It's, it's almost having that air of being arrogant, right? I'm, I'm doing so well. And man, how many of you know this is, this is not God's perfect will for our lives? Because what happens is you end up settling for stuff that you should never be settling for, right? So a person with this kind of um, attitude will say, something, will, will say something like this, you know what, I have a cold, but it's all, it's all right. Because my neighbor is in hospital. It's terrible, right? But that's what comparison will lead us to do, right? And then the second outcome, which is the one that I think is more common in people, is it will lead you to feel worse when others are doing better. In other words, you start having a feeling of just being inadequate, inferior. And you're always feeling that you're not enough. You know, you, you, you're not capable enough. It's actually a really awful place to be because at the crux of it all, man, you start really thinking that maybe, maybe God shortchanged me. You know, I can't, is, I can't sing as amazingly as, you know, Lily and all of our other, oh, Boosie, you know, so God must have shortchanged me, you know. I mean, that's, that's really awful. You know, they say comparison is also the number one reason why people suffer from insecurities. Why people are insecure? I came across an article many years ago which said this. It said 90% of supermodels, men and women, suffer from low self-esteem. And that like rocked me because I was like, come on, get out of here. How can people who make a living uh, based on their looks, I mean like of all the people that should absolutely love themselves, I mean, come on, surely, surely it should be models, right? I mean, you've seen how they walk. You've seen what they do, right? You've seen their bodies, right? But anyway, I was like, this is, this is lies, right? But then I began to realize the reason why they suffer from such low esteem is really simple. It's because they're always having to compare themselves to other models. Man, you know that it says the fight to zero? The f it's f uh, fight, the f uh, the, is it fight or the race to zero? The race to zero exists in the modeling world, man. All of them want to be a size zero. You know, no one wants to be a size two, three, four, right? So they're constantly comparing themselves to one another. And then they're also being constantly put in a position where they have to be compared to one another. And man, that's gonna, that's terrible because that's gonna beat you down. That's gonna wear you out. And that's gonna cause you to lose your joy because at the end of the day, comparison, they say, is a thief of, of the, the thief of joy. Man, I wanna say also this to some single ladies while we're talking about, while we're talking about modeling and you know, looks. I wanna say this to someone who's single. Your value is not based on what you look like in the mirror. It's, it's not, okay? Your, your value is based on the fact that, man, God, God carefully put you together. And so if anyone doesn't like how you look, man, come on, get rid of them. Like, lose them. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, the Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. Do you know what they say? Um, the, the, the distinguishing feature of a masterpiece, they say in the art world, um, is, 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 is number one, it's unique. Number two, it's original. And you're a masterpiece. God calls you a masterpiece. That means that you are unique. Man, and you are original. You're the pinnacle of God's creation. And so stop letting someone compare you to other people. Stop it. 
Man, stop being compared to others. Stop uh, devaluing yourself based on what you look like in the mirror. Man, get rid of them. Okay, I'm trying to help you. Okay, I'm trying to help you. Amen, amen, you receive it. Thank you. Then the final thing, really, as we start to wind down and close, comparison, comparison causes us to be resentful. And it also causes us to reject others who have what we want. There's a story um, in 1 Samuel 18, verses 5 to 9 in the message translation. I'm not really going to have time to go there. My time is well well spent. But it's really a story about um, King Saul and David. And what's happening is David had just come back from fighting Goliath. And so he's coming into the city and, man, he's getting a whole hero's welcome. Man, the ladies are dancing. The people in the village are, man, they're happy. Happy, happy with a triple P, right? And so the, the scripture says, man, they were frolicking. I like that word. Man, you must read it in the message translate. The ladies were frolicking. And they start singing a song in their frolic. And they're saying, there it is, Saul kills by the thousands. And it says, David, David, by the 10,000. Yay! <laughs> and the scripture says, this made Saul angry. No, not just angry. It says very angry. He took it as a personal insult. And he said, they created David with 10,000 and me, Mina, <laughs> with only 1,000. Hey, hey. Saul became angry. He became very angry. Remember I said comparison is the thief of joy? Because really on that day, if there should have been someone who should have been so full of joy, if there should have been someone who should have been really celebrating David that day, man, it should have been King Saul. And I'll tell you why. Number one, man, King Saul was strategic. I like uh, Pastor Henry told me to use that word in the first service. King Saul was a very wise king. Not only that, man, he could have gotten all the credit uh, in, in the history books for being a strategic king. And you know why he was strategic? He had let this little shepherd boy go and fight the beast of a man. Man, he'd even in his wisdom actually recognized that, man, maybe this guy can actually kill, get rid of this dude for us, right? Remember, the, 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 David's own dad had forgotten about him. But, but the king Saul saw something in him and said, yeah, you know, go and fight this guy, right? And, and in his wisdom, man, he could have been credited for being a really wise king and getting rid of that giant, okay? And number two, I'll tell you the number reason why I think Saul should have been happy. I mean, he could have taken credit for all of this, really, he could have. But the number two reason is simply this. You know, the scripture says that everything King Saul gave David to do, David did very well. And so King Saul, in his wisdom and his strategy, man, he just employed the employee of the century. I mean, I don't know, some of you are business owners, okay? How many of you right in here would like to have an employee with everything that you do, they do it very well, okay? Yeah, receive that, yeah. <laughs> Amen. And so here, here I mean, I mean, I mean the two reasons why King Saul should have, been, should have been happy, but no, instead of because of comparison, you know, because of, you know, looking around, keeping his eye, the Bible says, and, you know, he began to keep a jealous eye on David, you know, instead of, you know, keeping his eye on his calling as a, on his assignment as a king, um, king over the nation, man, he started keeping his eye on David. And we all know how that story really went down. It says, this, the scripture says that um, King Saul began to deteriorate in terms of influence and really in terms of power over the nation of Israel. Man, he lost everything. He lost his family and ultimately, ultimately he, he lost his life. Amen. And so I, you know, really, you know, as we close, I, I really want to share a, a tool that really we can actually learn from this passage of scripture and something that's really going to help you. And it's, I like practical. Right, a practical tool that's going to help you overcome and really break free from this trap of comparison. And, and, the, and the tool simply goes like this, right? It's simply this. Don't hate, celebrate. Okay? Don't hate, celebrate. Because the principle is simply this, man. You can never manifest in your life what you're not willing to celebrate. If you hate on someone for having what you want, if you have hate on someone for being and achieving what you yourself want to achieve, you, you're not going to achieve it. Okay? If you hate on someone for, for being promoted, and then you've been wanting to get promoted for years, if you hate on that person, what you're doing is you're subconsciously programming your mind against that very same thing. Man, you're telling your mind that promotions are not good, 
You're telling your mind that, man, we hate, we hate promotions. We don't want to be promoted. You're not going to be promoted. And if you hate, some, hate on someone for um, buying a new house, what you're subconsciously doing is you're subconsciously programming your mind to say, man, new houses are bad. We should live in our old houses. We should rent. And guess what? You'll, you'll never achieve, achieve that, that very same thing. You know, there's a saying that I came across, and this has really become my life's message. And it, and it simply says this. It says, until it's my turn, I will keep clapping for others. Amen. Until it's your turn to get promoted, until it's your turn to be increased, until it's your turn to buy a new house. And I'm speaking to someone here. Until it's your turn to buy a new car. Keep clapping for others. Keep celebrating others. Man, this is something we live by. Pastor T and myself, we live by this. You know, our friends in ministry, when they when they when they start when their ministry start exploding, you know, when their ministry start growing, you know, when they start um, getting houses and buildings, man, we had our Darling friends, Ashley and Carly, they paid for their building, cash. And when things like that start happening, we are, we are intentional about celebrating. And we, we are intentional about clapping for them. And it's so simple, guys. Get on to send an email. Send an email. That person, you know, uh, next door to you, they get the promotion that you want to, they, you don't want to send, send them an email. Say congratulations. Say, I'm excited for you. Come on. God is not a respecter of persons. God does not show favoritism. One thing that we know, that we know, that we know about our God is he's a God of abundance. He never runs out of opportunities. He never runs out of buildings, houses, cars. Okay? What he can do for one person, he can most certainly do for you. And so until it's your turn, keep clapping. Until it's your turn, keep celebrating. Keep cheering others on. Keep being intentional about this. Keep celebrating. Keep moving, moving, moving forward in that direction. And when you do, you're going to break free from the trap of comparison. And so as I close, why don't you get up on our feet? Because I want to go back to the scripture that we began with. And that's Hebrews 12. And we're going to look at verses 1 to 2. Um, in the Amplified, the original Amplified, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2, in the original Amplified. And it says this, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us strip off every unnecessary weight and the sin which, so, which so easily and cleverly entangles us. And it says, let us run with endurance. Let us run with active persistence the race that is set before us there is a divinely ordained race that has been set before each and every single one of us every single one of us man and i'm talking to people who are young here every single one of us you have a call on god on your life you are called of god don't discount yourself don't discount yourself whether you're female whether you whatever culture you're born in wherever country you were born in you are called of god we all have a call of god on our lives and verse 2 begins to show us how we can begin to run that race it begins really to show us how we can begin to break free from the trap of comparison verse 2 says this it says looking away from all that will distract us distract us comparison is a distraction that's all it is, simple, right? Comparison is trying to get you to look to the left, look to the right, instead of looking straight on. It says, let's look away from the left. Let's look away from what they're doing, what they have, what their gifts are, what their function is. Let's look away from all these things. And it says, focusing our eyes on Jesus. Other, a translation says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and who is the perfecter of our faith. And so church, we run the race, we run our own race, not by looking at other people's gifts, 
not by looking at other people's functions pastors if you called head of pastor not looking at other people's um, the sizes of other people's ministries the buildings that other people are getting it's not about that not looking at you know what other people have in the season of life not looking at you know everything that everyone else is doing that you're not doing in this season of life Mm -mm, it's not about that we run this race looking unto Jesus looking unto Jesus running our own race looking unto Jesus running our own race because we know that with our calling in fact when God calls you whoever God calls he also equips there is a grace to run your specific race amen amen so let us run our race hallelujah come on someone say today I am moving out of the comparison trap and I am stepping into the grace that God has for me heavenly father I turn in my heart from my eyes being on other people being on other people's ministries being on other people's callings being on other people's assignments I turn in my heart to fix my eyes on Jesus today I choose to step into the grace to follow Jesus with all of my heart regardless of what others are doing regardless of what other people have father I receive the grace I receive divine connections I receive all the favor I receive all the wisdom I receive all the creativity I receive everything that God has for me I receive every single thing that will help me to run my own race come on why don't we give God a big shout of applause amen thank you Jesus thank you Lord father we just thank you for every single person really under the sound of my voice Lord we thank you Lord that through this series through the series of running our own race man that you're going to begin to speak purpose into their hearts father that you're going to reveal destinies to those that are listening to those that are watching and father we thank you for giving us a greater boldness and a greater confidence to dominate to begin to take charge really to begin to apply ourselves diligently in the space and in the place that you have for each and every single one of us father thank you we thank you that you have given us the grace to run our own race and lord we thank you for your wisdom holy spirit we thank you for your help to stop fixing our eyes on people even as we leave here today man they're going to be opportunities but we're going to say no we're going to fix our eyes on you fix our eyes on the things that you have for us fix our eyes on the person that you have called us to be father we thank you that our value is not determined on what we look like in the mirror we thank you father and that even our value it's not determined on what we have man our value is determined by you it's determined by the fact that you sent your only begotten son Jesus just for us just for me and so father we thank you lord we thank you that you call us fearfully and wonderfully made father that what we don't care what other people call us because you call us valuable you call us valued you call us your masterpiece we are your finest work of art father we thank you that we will believe what you have to say about us more than what anyone else has to say about us from today father
we just thank you. We're stepping into that grace. We're stepping into that assignment grace. And we are determined to run our own race. Father, we thank you. And right now, I said this in the first service, but I actually want to speak this over, over someone in this service. There's someone, man, who feels, man, that they're old now. They spend so many years just not running their race, running something that they shouldn't have been running. And man, I believe the Lord is saying this morning that, man, He will restore the time. The Lord right now is just moving you. I believe He's speaking some destiny into your heart. And it's not dependent on your age. It's not dependent on what you've done or haven't done in the past. Those things don't matter. What matters is now. What matters is starting. What matters is starting. And that's a word from someone. Just start. Just start. God has said something to you. He's spoken a word to you. And He's just waiting for you to move. Just start. He's given you all the grace. He's, he, the desire that you have. <laughs> it's God. Yes. It is. The, the scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. You have been delighting yourself in the Lord. So that desire that God has given you, that desire is becoming strong. It's becoming so strong. It's God. Yes. Just start. Just start. That's all you need to do. Just start. You know, two-thirds of God's name is go. God is saying this morning, go. Go. Do it. Go. Go. Be faithful. Go. Go. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that your calling on our lives is not dependent on our gender. It's not dependent on our age. It's not dependent on our culture. But that you have a calling, a specific, unique calling for our lives that man, we need to fulfill that someone is counting on us to fulfill. And so, Father, today we are going. Today we're just starting. Lord, we just thank you for your grace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say amen. And amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus so awesome? We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.